for listening to the Divine Nobodies Podcast with Eric Ajna and Jennifer Lynn. If you enjoyed this episode, please like and subscribe so you never miss a show. If you're on Instagram, please follow us at Divine Nobodies Podcast and join our ever-growing community of lightworkers and spiritual visionaries. Together, we can raise the frequency of our planet and bring in a new era of awakening and understanding. Welcome to our tribe. And now your hosts, Eric Ajna and Jennifer Lynn. Oh, hello, 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 hello to all. Thank you for tuning in to Divine Nobody's Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Ajna. How are you doing, Jen? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. It's good to be back. Good to be back in this little spaceship we got going on. Yeah, I like it. You know? You know. We're doing the doing thing. Cruising through the universe. Yeah. Well, actually, I had a, something that I was thinking about right before the podcast, Jen. What would you, you know how like you've been in relationships with people that have just fucked you over or someone that just rubbed you the wrong way or somebody that we would probably consider a narcissist? And this is something that we talk about because we've both been in situations like that. So you know how like they sort of like lack that empathy for other people, right? Yes. Yeah, and, and, and so you're going through that whole process of kind of toxicity with them. I, I was thinking about this today. I wonder if God created these, these humans specifically as almost like automatons that are almost like simulated humans that are really just meant to act as catalysts for the evolution of humans. Because there's something about when you talk with these people where you almost feel like they're not entirely there, like they're not even entirely real people. Yeah, no, I would agree with that. You're like, you know, that doesn't even make sense. Like, why does your brain function like that? Yeah, yeah. So I was thinking about like, maybe they're, they're not real people. Maybe they're just like simulated humans that are a part of the simulation. And they're, they're, they're strategically placed into your field by these aliens to uh, just sort of act as catalysts to, to help you sort of further along in your journey. You know what or I mean? Or maybe they're brand new. Maybe they're brand new humans and don't mm. have a lot of experience with reincarnation. And yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. I was thinking about that the other day because there's something about them that seems almost robotic. And we run yeah. into those situations where you're like, I've even asked myself that. I was like, are you real? How are you real? How do you exist? Yeah. You know? It's a great question. Yeah. A lot of things to contemplate, but we wanted to touch on a few things today. Something that uh, kind of came into our field last week. This is what we do. We, we go into regular everyday life, me and Jen. And we come out on the other side with uh, just some things to introspect. So a lot of these topics that we come... Uh, come to the show with are, are things that come out of our own sort of personal introspection, uh, both Jen and I. And these are things that um, we definitely want to discuss because they're 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 worth discussing. Because uh, along this journey, we're here to learn, and uh, this is something that me and Jen like to do is just like to, to explore the possibilities and the different dynamics of how human beings think. And one thing that we can all relate to, and uh, is this whole question of how to not take things personally. This is what we're going to talk about: how to not take things personally. You know, yeah. you ever gone into situations, Jen, where you were with a human being or in a, in a, in a just a set of circumstances where you just took stuff personally? You know, I don't take a lot personally, but I have been around people and I've worked with people and I've been friends with people that do take things personally. And it almost makes you feel like you have to walk on eggshells with that person because you never know what it is they're going to get wild about. Jen, Jen. You've been alive for a long time. You can't even tell me you haven't taken anything personally. Oh, no, no, I totally have. Yeah, I've taken things personally before, of course, but I'm, uh, I feel like I'm just, I'm just really not that emotional. I don't know if I just don't 
care enough uh, about <laughs> what people think. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. What, what exactly it is, but yeah. But you've you've been in the situations where you've taken something personal and it's sort of ruffled your feathers a little bit. Yeah, I've right. a kerfuffle or two. Yeah. Yeah, a kerfuffle or two, whether it be in relationships or you know just a, a Karen you experienced at the supermarket. Oh, if you're fuck. human, I feel like you've experienced your fair share of taking things personally, even if it doesn't last an extended period of time. Yeah. There's like this small incremental bit of time, maybe in your case because you're an Aquarian, and I imagine you can consolidate the amount of feelings that you put off to an experience like that. So whether or not you're, you know, you took something personal for a period of one or two minutes or, you know, kept it with you your entire life, I feel like it's something that people can relate to because uh, we live in a semi-hostile environment in a lot of different senses of the words, and um, it's something that I feel like we've all had experience with at some form, some form some area of our life at some point, uh, at least for me, backtracking. I mean, this has been um, a part of my journey throughout my life. Uh, I think it has for a lot of people, but you know, this stuff starts, I think it, it is more prominent when you're younger, when oh, you're yeah. developing a sense of oh, self, for sure. mm-hmm. right? Cause and there's so much just, insecurity when you're young. Yeah. So there's a lot learning. of insecurity. Like you don't, you're still trying to figure out how to regulate your emotions and how to respond to things appropriately. And, you know, yeah. that's whenever you make the mistakes and that's whenever you learn from them. Like, yeah, cause why, why did I act like such a psycho? That's yeah. why this person doesn't like me. Yeah. Yeah. I think our, the height of our, our uh, development goes from, I think zero to maybe eight years old mm-hmm. where we're starting to just build the building blocks of who we are. And by doing that, we incidentally end up seeking validation for other people to reinforce this idea of who we are. And we run into lots of situations where we, take things personal because mm-hmm. up until the time you actually awaken to source you're looking and seeking outwards for some sort of validation and i think that's a part of our culture because you know you're placed into school at a very young age and this is a a place where i feel like this is something that's definitely taught at least partially because a lot of what we do in school is seeking validation and approval from other people including teachers oh for sure oh yeah mm-hmm. you know seeking seeking approval from teachers because uh, we need to impress them. We need to show them that we're not going to grow up to be a degenerate loser. Right. And we're going to grow up to be contributing members to society. And so this this comes off. And, and maybe this isn't even something that we need to do. But as kids, it seems obvious that we seek approval from these sort of uh, parental figures. Because you know, when you're a kid and your teachers are about the age of your parents, you kind of approach it in the same way. So mm-hmm. it starts with seeking validation and approval from your family, from your parents, and then once you go into school, you're seeking validation from your peers and also from your teachers. So it's almost like hard-grained into uh, that sort of cultural zeitgeist that we're a part of. And yeah. it's not really our fault. It's just a part of um, how that system is is operated. I actually you know? have a really interesting story about a teacher that um, negatively impacted my life. And oh, yeah. it's kind of rare that you hear that. Like most of the time it's like, oh, this teacher was really inspirational. I have a ton of those. I mean, I had some really amazing teachers along my journey. Um, so shout out to all the teachers out there that, you know, really know how to uplift kids, especially like the little, you know, kind of weird grimy kids, which is oh, yeah. who I was because I was, you know, poor and like in a rich school district and, you know, just didn't really fit in and was kind of like a little weird. And, yeah, and shout know, out and to the, the plants growing out of the cracks in the, the floor too, just FYI. <laughs> 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 For sure. So, yeah, so there was, uh, he was actually a coach and he also taught science. And um, I was really into uh, 
the metaphysical and mystical things at that time. I'm in like sixth grade, you know? Oh, really? And wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I always had my horoscope and was always, you know, just really, I, there was an interest in tarot and, you know, those kind of things, all everything mystical. Yeah. So we're in class and um, I was raised in the South, so obviously very conservative and also the Bible Belt, you know? And um, one of the girls, this is back when the craft was popular. You know, oh yeah, Feruza Balkan and the craft. I had the yeah, huge, the biggest yeah. crush on her though. FYI Did you? Again. Oh my god, I yeah. was terrified of her. She looked so scary. But I yeah. like the redhead in that movie. I don't remember what her name was, but yeah, the Good Witch. Yeah, that had a great soundtrack too. It did. Yeah, ooh, that was a good one. And the Crow too. That was a good soundtrack. Anyhow, oh yeah. So we digress. But so this this kind of preppy, you know, back when kids were, you know, you were a prep and a jock or a goth kid or a skater or whatever, everybody had like their bucket that they fit into. Stereotypes. So yeah. I didn't really fit into any general stereotype for school, right? Because I, you know, was uh, athletic. So I played sports and uh, did cheerleading and stuff, but I wasn't you know, attractive and I didn't have a ton of friends and I was kind of like a little bit of a loner and a little different. You were what so, we like to call a gangster. Uh, no, I was never a gangster. <laughs> yeah, no. Mm -mm. Gangster in the deeper sense of the word, Jen, not that you uh, listen to hip hop, but that gangster in the sense that you sort of rebelled against the norm. Oh, well, I was, I was thinking like Snoop Dogg. Like, oh no, today's Roland version of what a gangster and, would be. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So and Snoop Dogg's obviously not a gangster, but I think gangster rap and I immediately. He's kind of Snoop a gangster. Dogg. Anyway. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. I think Dr. Dre would be more like gangster. I think. There's nothing more gangster than sipping on gin and juice. Amen. On a Sunday Amen. afternoon in mm -hmm. a six, four Impala. All the, all the, all the <laughs> all doing things. things, you know? Yeah. All the things. Okay. I got to wrap my story up. So one of the preppy girls um, was like, oh, oh my God, she's a witch talking about me. Right. And oh, yeah. the craft was popular. So that was like a thing. And this teacher heard and, <laughs> um, and then he was like, Oh, stay away from her. Like she's weird and she's a witch. And he would actually talk shit about me to other oh, yeah. students. Yeah. And you live and, like in the Midwest, right? Uh, no, Texas. Well, yeah. I mean, you, Texas That's is obviously different, different and yeah. not as liberal as California. Yeah. Oh no. no. Yeah. yeah. There's yeah, very conservative. The deep area, deep right? South. Deep, deep South. So yeah. um, it was very interesting because his opinion of me, even though he never spoke to me, we never exchanged even one sentence of a conversation. Um, he actually blackballed me in sports. So, you know, I, the, that during that time I was trying out for cheerleader, I didn't get, I didn't make the cheerleading squad that year, even though, even though I was one of the better ones and could tumble. So um, because of his, his recommendation. So yeah. I thought that that was interesting right how your teachers can totally sabotage your your um junior high school career if you yeah because we forget that. they're just like regular human beings you were like yeah. walking around during recess and they're like oh what are you gonna go do jen you're gonna go call the corners <laughs> yeah totally yeah <laughs> what the fuck like yeah yeah i it, i had a very very similar experience and, and it's crazy because you 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 don't have the emotional intelligence at that age to figure out that the teachers are always all, also you know aspiring against you Oh yeah, you know because and they when all I, in their little teachers' lounge drinking coffee, talking shit. You know, yeah, now that I, I'm an adult and I have teacher friends, I know what they yeah, do. Yeah, exactly. 
But exactly. as a kid, you you think that they're professionals and they're not in there, you know, talking shit on you, but they totally are. <laughs> yeah. Like I've talked, I've spoken to even parents, parents that have mm-hmm. kids. And you know, when you're a kid and you're being scolded by your parents, like worst case scenario, like you feel like you're in some really deep shit. Mm-hmm. Right. But then they'll go and uh, close the door of their kid's room and they'll come into the living room where you're at and they're like giggling and they're like, <laughs> yeah, but that wasn't, that was, that was like, they're totally not serious, yeah. you know, but sometimes you have to, I guess you feel compelled to do that for your children, but it's a different, different perception that we have when we're younger. Uh, I had gone to school in Arizona, very similar experience. And um, Arizona is obviously, obviously not as liberal as um, California, but I had come from California, but long story short, my scenario is very similar to yours. I was a goth kid during that time in elementary school to middle school through high school progressively more goth as the time went on you oh, know of course yeah and um the the teachers were exactly the same thing i started wearing eyeliner and, and vinyl and makeup and and the, the, the kids would walk by and be like it's the crow it's the crow or they'd go and be like look it's asriel abyss from snl you know any all those like little things that you yeah. hear when you're a goth kid growing up and it's hard to not take those things seriously um even though on the surface, maybe it'll appear as though you don't, but you know, things like that deeply hurt your feelings because I think at the very core, you want to feel connected to the people that you're around because right. at, at, at the very core of what you're going through is you, it's just all expression for you at that point. Right. Mixed, with, mixed in with a little tinge of rebellion. Mm-hmm. It's basically your statement that, you know, I, I don't want to conform to or be told to fit in this sort of box that you want me to fit into. And uh, yeah, you're raging you know, against the in, machine. Yeah, instead of looking at it as this person as an artist, they don't understand. And what people right. don't understand, they criticize. And I experienced that same level of uh, criticism from teachers. And that was so surprising to me that uh, they were telling children not to hang out with me or to stay away from me like I'm bad news. But the interesting thing about a lot of uh, teachers that I had um, really close relationships with is obviously it's a, a sort of, it's a, it's a conversation of who he looks like and who he is in reality that you mm-hmm. run into. Because they'll say like, oh, he's actually the nicest guy if you get to know him. So there seemed to be a lot of that growing up because those stereotypes were so much more prominent. But uh, situations like that, right? Where we're, yeah. we go into situations where we're trying to be our best selves um, and we people come and criticize us. And this doesn't even have to be just when you're a kid. This happens when you're an adult as well. And it's hard not to take something personally. You yeah. know, it's hard not to take something personally. And yeah. so, I mean, yeah. I even have situations uh, in, in, you know, within the last five or 10 years, just in, in certain coworker scenarios, there was this uh, person that I used to work with and she was much older than me. And no matter what it is that I, whatever it is that I did, she just did not like me. Yeah. And I couldn't accept the fact that there was this person that just didn't like me. And I, I couldn't figure it out. I tried to make amends and tried to be nice and accommodating, but there are just people in life that just aren't going to like you. So true. I think it. I think it had something to do with the fact that I was a younger generation, millennial generation, and she was more of like a baby boomer, and so you run into that disconnect where you're doing the same type of work, and uh, the millennials can do it in a different way than the people that have been doing it the same way for the last two decades mm-hmm. so and you run into that disconnect and with better technology and x y and z yeah 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 and and, and it's i acknowledge that for for older people especially technology especially yeah and i acknowledge that but I, i'm definitely not somebody to compete i just wanted to have an even playing field yeah but every single day every single day on clockwork it would just be this 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 feeling of dread knowing that i couldn't change this person's mind 
mm-hmm. and we can kind of look at that as um, taking something personally. And so got me really thinking, and this is a, a practice that I've um, kind of kept with me throughout the years and something that um, I'm a lot better with now, which is learning to not take things personally. And the first thing that we need to really think about is language, right? Because language is how we associate with other people. And if you really think about it, language has only really been developed within the last 1400 years, at least for us. And you have other regions like, you know, China that's been speaking their language for the last 3000 years. So language just in and of itself is um, kind of an odd thing when you look at it in the context of like Atlantis, where they're not using language at all. Mm-hmm. It's confusing. Yeah. Right. It's confusing. And some people aren't as in touch with their feelings or their emotions and or how to articulate their feelings. So you run into a lot of situations where people aren't saying what they mean and mean what they say, you know. And at the same time, language is also very powerful. It's very powerful in the sense that we can hurt other people with it. So oh, yeah. I talk a lot about this in sound healing, which is as human beings, a lot of us, well, a lot of people, they've gone to a sound bath. They know what that's like, but people don't necessarily think of themselves as sound healers. But in my classes, I would always tell this story, which is like, if you're a human being, then you're a sound healer because you have, you've been gifted the ability to speak mm-hmm. with your mouth and you uh, have a responsibility to pay attention to the words that you say to other people. Because when you say something uh, affirming and beautiful to somebody else, that's almost like its own form of sound healing because you can make somebody feel really good mm-hmm. and you can make somebody feel very loved. But at the same time, uh, it can be a very destructive endeavor because you could also hurt other people with your words at the same time. Absolutely. Grandma used to say, words are cheap, that's why they're free. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I wanted to dive into different ways that um, we think and trying to pretty much just dissect this uh, kind of illusion that we believe, um, which is the, the fact that we get so hurt and take things personally when somebody either does something to us or when some, somebody says something to us. So yeah. going into the dynamics of that, I, I think is um, really, really important. So I think, what is the first thing uh, that you think somebody feels when somebody says something particularly hurtful? Maybe a Karen, you know, you see a Karen walking down the street and she wants to exchange some words for you. What do you think it is that people feel when they take something seriously? Um, you know, it, it's tough because behind every reaction and every opinion is someone's, uh, experiences, right? Exactly, so yeah. I always have to take that into account that anytime I say something, just because I believe something a certain way, because I haven't had the, the experiences that would impact it to change my mind. So, yeah, I think that's, that's really true. where, where reactions come from or just based right. on, on that. So there's a, a primitive side to reactivity, right? And it, it is almost like a barrier to truth. Uh, what I mean by that is like it's a barrier to who you really are. And a mm-hmm. lot of people are afraid to be themselves out oh, of yeah. fear of judgment. And this is the reason why we've cultivated a shadow over time because there's a lot of shame involved in being truly authentically you because there's a lot of people out there that judge oh, yeah. people for being who they are. Mm-hmm. But the first reaction that people have when somebody criticizes them or do something wrong is an instinctual sort of reaction that can almost be affiliated with the flight or fight response, mm-hmm. right? There's this feeling of fear. Like I need to protect myself as if somehow you're in the wild and yeah. you need to shield your heart from experiencing pain. So when somebody says that comes and says that like, you're an asshole, the first thing for many people is to react and say, and either attack or to internalize it 
and Mm -hmm. secretively deal with the pain and uh, uh, reflect on it for much longer than they probably need to. And what that does in the body is it creates a lot of tension, Mm -hmm. creates a lot of anxiety. And I think that's the core of what we're trying to get to because it isn't that taking something personally is bad. What's bad is the toll that it takes on your body when you're recycling Mm-hmm. these uh, dense sort of uh, feelings that you've accumulated. These negative emotions, the course, yeah. Negative emotions, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that, that, will, that will definitely, has the ability to, to create some really um, big blockages inside of your, your chakras or your yeah. aura or even just your sense of well-being. Yeah, so, and on a cellu- cellular level too, how it, it damages and reproduces in a way like those negative emotions really do affect your body. And your health overall it does and and it speaks to like a really large part of our culture which is this sort of affinity people have with fear mm-hmm. right um the fear response in the body which is um we've uh, a lot of our media is driven by fear um a lot of the scarcity sort of mentality that people have going through their life is based off of fear mm-hmm. of not having enough or of losing something mm-hmm. or of being judged and or being wrong. That's a new or, trend these days, especially now with Twitter and social media, that if you put an opinion out on the internet that is later disproven, you know, or and or you you are very stuck in that confirmation bias, right? Where you don't want to change your mind because in twenty nineteen you posted on Twitter that you felt a different way. You know, so yeah. you just wanna want to take it to the grave. So it's yeah. kind of interesting that just the documentation aspect how the, how that's changed people's yeah. Um, uh, ability to um, not be married to their ideas, right? Yeah, and and I think that to me that I'm trying to to find the spiritual underpinning in that. I just mm-hmm. see that as an overactive mind, yeah. right? Because the whole basis behind spirituality is to always remain open to possibilities and potentials. Because the second you think you're right, and in a lot of ways, automatically makes you wrong, mm-hmm. because. Um, there's nothing really definitive in the universe unless you have source, you know, come from the clouds and sort of confirm everything that you believe is true. Up until that point, everything is pretty, pretty much, um, it, it should be a conversation. Uh, people shouldn't have such hard and fast sort of um, lines that they draw on the sand because right. a lot of the time we are wrong. And, yeah, and it's uh, okay. The, it's okay to be yeah. wrong. And that's part of, that's part of the process. It's like, I feel everything should be treated like a a science experiment, right? You know, we're going to have a a hypothesis. We're going to test the hypothesis. If it's wrong, we're going to go back to the drawing board and try again, (laughs) you know? So, but the scientific method, nobody uses that anymore. It's just like, oh, this is black. This is white. This is right. This is wrong. Yeah. And I I think that speaks to an overactive sort of ego because there's this need to be right. Mm-hmm. And there's this refusal to be wrong. But from right. the spiritual perspective, it's all driven by one energy, which is love or fear. Mm-hmm. If it makes you feel good inside of your body and you intuitively pick that up as a loving sort of energy, you know when it's true. It doesn't necessarily have to be true in the sense of a, a contextual true, like a, like a definitive true, mm-hmm. but you know what feels right. right. And it's right when it doesn't hurt somebody else. It's mm-hmm. right when, um, you know, it, it, isn't, it isn't being right at the expense of somebody else. You know what I mean? So it's almost like we, we as, a, as a culture, we've um, almost become comfortable with fear, like this feeling of fear. Mm-hmm. So much so that we will put ourselves in situations, almost self-sabotaging type of behaviors that reinforce this feeling of fear because as long as we are feeling this fear, 
we never have to feel anything any other way anything else it's more comfortable yeah. it's more mm -hmm. comfortable to feel in fear than it is to really take accountability for your feelings mm -hmm. and decide that you want to live a loving happy life mm -hmm. and it's hard the reason why it's hard is because there's a large portion of the population that doesn't think that way yeah you know it it's hard it's hard when you when you walk out in the street and you're seeing people that are obviously have a lot of different chips on their shoulder that uh, can't find reasons to celebrate and they see somebody like you walking around happy and making the decision to be happy there are some people that just want to shit all over that you know that's true i was this is kind of a little sidebar and a little off topic um i was talking to one of my girlfriends today and we were talking about millennials and the culture now of being depressed and anxious it's almost like trendy to to have anxiety if that makes sense there's like songs about having anxiety and you know well, that happened in the I 90s to, too yeah anytime i talk to young people that's like the the place that they go to and if you aren't depressed and you don't have anxiety then you feel like there's something wrong with you because all of your peers are kind of recirculating that that information yeah I and i and i think uh you, you almost can't blame them in a the sense because they and we've talked about this i think in some um uh, podcasts in the past, which is the millennials are a little different because they grew up in a, in a culture that never worked for them starting from day one. True. Right. Mm -hmm. It's harder to, it, it costs more money to survive. It costs mm -hmm. more money to live. The opportunities are a little bit more scarce. You costs have more money to, to go to school. Cost more money to go to school. So and they've even made if that's, you go to school, you're not guaranteed to get a job. And most people that are college educated and graduate don't, can't get a job. And then they have right. like debt and loans. Exactly. So that's mm -hmm. a perfect example of what a millennial goes through. Mm -hmm. They're already checked out from the very beginning. They're like, I choose a different life. But they acknowledge the fact that there's something crazy going on. But but the old-fashioned sort of, I want to say like um, baby boomers see them as lazy, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. But their they're baby boomers are, are still living in that sort of baby boomer sort of um, phase of life, which is, you know, you work and you work hard and you can get this. It's like, no, it doesn't work that way. They're part of a different generation now. And... Um, but the thing is, is it also speaks to um, how fast everything is going now too. Everything mm -hmm. is working at such an accelerated pace that you cannot keep up without feeling anxiety, right? It almost accelerates and, and pushes the body into keeping up. And the only way that the body can keep up is by pushing it out of um, a, a sort of baseline level of comfort that we should be in into this, you know, this tireless sort of like endeavor to, to catch up. You know what I mean? Like everything is yeah. being around, for example, like if, if you're in the city, you live in the city, it's a very different type of energy. Everything around you is moving so fast. Mm -hmm. You know, everybody talks fast, like New York, you got the subway system, like everybody's moving fast. And if you're in that type of environment, it's going to make you, it's going to affect you. It's going to have an impact on your well being. You're not going to feel so soft and peaceful as you would if you lived, you know, in a rural community where right. there's not as many people. Yeah. Something that nature does when you're isolated um, from that, that brings you back down to baseline, mm -hmm. you know? So I, I think our environment plays a huge part in how we operate. And, and social media. And social media, exactly. It doesn't even have to be the proximity of your environment. Like you go on Instagram or you go on Facebook and you're just being literally face-fucked with like all these different images, all these different extrasensory sort of forms of stimulation and being and sold it's a not, million things i mean yeah and it's not it's not, it's not after in, ad after ad yeah and it's not intrinsically bad but we're not we we haven't um how would i say it like equipped ourselves to not be affected by it mm -hmm. it's hard not to be affected by it 
right. you know, and at the same time, if you decide to check out from it, there's also that side of the coin, which is, okay, well, now you're not a part of your, the society anymore. Yeah. And you're missing we'll, out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And people will do an exceptional job in making you feel like not a, not a part of that society. If you don't, if you decide to not have a smartphone, if you decide to live off of the grid, I mean, and you, there's no so in between. Fast. I mean, the way yeah. that things move and technology and social situations and our environments, government, everything, I mean, just moves so, so fast. So, so it's it makes sense like, because, yeah, it's almost like, like those, you have to have it to keep up. Yeah. And those kids think about it, like things moved a lot slower for us as kids. Oh but yeah. Kids Exponentially nowadays. Exponentially slower. And there's even science behind that, which is kids are getting to prove, getting through puberty a lot faster, if not skipping it onto altogether. Mm-hmm. And they're going into just straight adulthood and yeah. they have to, in order to keep up, you know, there's right. this, there's a lot of expectation on them. They're, they're thrown out into the world with basically a, an iPad and a, a, an iPhone and access to social media. Like they're accelerating in a, in a, in a pace that we never did growing up. And so yeah. it doesn't make it doesn't surprise me that they'd go through heightened levels of anxiety because of what they are up against. You if know, if you wanted to learn something, you weren't googling it. You were calling your friend that had a full, complete set of the Encyclopedia Britannica and going to look yeah. some shit up. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like yeah. there was, or exactly getting into the the card catalog and the microfiche to figure yeah. out, you know, <laughs> whatever yeah. it is you wanted to know. Yeah, but there are a lot of things to celebrate about this time too, because that yeah. technology is is very useful in a lot of ways, and it, in a lot of ways, it actually helped uh, accelerate that sort of collective evolution that people are going through right now. Yeah, and it, spirituality, especially New Age and metaphysics, are so much more prominent and widespread now, and people are waking up to these sort of things that have been oppressing people for a long time. Yeah, so it, there there are pluses and minuses to it. So it's all about how you approach it and whether or not you've developed your own inner discipline as to not be absorbed by the chaos, mm-hmm. you know? So this, it's just, it always just comes down, it always comes down to balance. So the first thing is that the Sorry, primitive response that we have. <laughs> no, no, it's okay. It, 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 so the first thing is the primitive response to the, the reactivity to taking something personally, usually a fear response, mm-hmm. right? And that's not based in reality. That is based off of your own ideas of who this person is, what they represent, what they're trying to do to you. And that's normally what we go through when we feel attacked. It's really now, your own belief system, 100%. Right. So yeah. it, a good example would be um, in the South, it's very common to hold the door for a person that is walking behind you. So if you're leaving a restaurant, you hold the door for the person that's behind you. And I noticed whenever I moved to California that people don't do that here. And they almost look at you like you're going to rob them or they're like, what the fuck are you doing? You know, like I got my own door. Like, oh, why are you this close to me? Um, And it's just a completely, it's a cultural thing. But at first I was, I wouldn't say offended, but I was just kind of taken aback because I wasn't used to that type of response. But right. that was based on my beliefs that if you didn't do that, you're rude. So mm-hmm. whenever I moved here, I thought initially thought people here were unfriendly and rude because there weren't common niceties, right? Like, yeah, you know, e- even in conversations, people aren't really small talking you that much. And it's really yeah. hard to make friends and, and that kind of thing. I mean, people yeah. just aren't as, aren't as, overly friendly as they are in the south yeah it makes me think of a talk that i heard from Den- from uh, terrence mckenna a while back which is he was likening our culture as an operating system 
mm-hmm. because he used to tour around and and do talks at different places and he um uh, he he lived more in the woods he lived in more rural type of communities but he'd always have to take planes over to like new york and he's like you know where he lives is one culture operating system and then in new york is obviously a different and he found himself having to change his level of consciousness and awareness to adjust to how it affected people mm-hmm. you know and you notice that you know the the those people aren't so friendly it's almost like a, a symptom of um the the tyrant the entire environment that they're they're sort of a part of you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, it's crazy to, to 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 think that it's so different depending on where you go. But yeah, you're absolutely right. It's um, it it's it's so different depending on where you're at. And yeah. so, it's you um. Know, I have another yeah. odd odd example, and you can tell me if this is normal or not because this is the only time that ever happened to me. I was on a date with a guy that I met on Match.com. I'm like really dating myself. This is way oh, before yeah. Tinder and all that shit. Like I was. Oh yeah. You had yeah. to pay for that shit. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Monthly, like, you know, yeah. 40 bucks a month or something to meet yeah. someone. So uh, I'm on a date with this guy and he was like, oh, you're a nurse. Oh, so you make what? Like 75, 80 grand a year. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> like I was really um, uh, offended that he would that he would even bring that up because where i come from in the south like that's considered rude you don't ask someone how much money they make but in california you don't just ask somebody that anyways yeah well i didn't think so i mean i i was like whoa what the fuck but um uh apparently you know and the way that he asked it it was like a very common question and that was an okay thing to ask so once again you know my beliefs about what i consider to be rude based on where i was raised had i been raised in california maybe i wouldn't have been offended by that question but right right so it's all the the perspective and the one thing that you brought up is really important is um it's how we think a lot of this reactivity is based off of our perspective of the outside world Mm -hmm. and we have a very for the most part hard dialed in sort of perspective of how things work and as you go along the spiritual journey, it's really about subtracting all of those different perceptions that you have and 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 being willing to think differently. Mm-hmm. Thinking differently basically meaning that perhaps there are alternatives, you know, like it, it doesn't feel healthy to be reactive to criticism. Mm-hmm. It, it, it It is healthy, but it's not healthy to be as reactive as we normally get. There, mm-hmm. there are, there's feedback and criticism that is, is helpful in situations where we're being jackasses, you know, yeah. but to be completely afraid of the outside world is another thing. Um, but when we think of our own perspective, that's the, the biggest key because we think it's about us, mm-hmm. you know? And, and Don Miguel Ruiz has a, a book, The Four Agreements, that you've probably read in one of the agreements is don't take things personally and that it is selfish to think that it's all about you. And this mm-hmm. is an innocent sort of selfishness because a lot of the time we don't even realize it, yeah. right? it seems very innocent like we 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 want to to please others we want to make other people happy so there's not it's not that the type of selfishness that we're um, really think that it is mm-hmm. it's almost an innocent form of selfishness but it speaks to this almost wanting and desire to control everything on the outside mm-hmm. and that is something that we absolutely just can't do but we go yeah. through a large part of our lives thinking that we can right and this is where we face criticism Right. So the, the, the one thing that is really important to understand is that it's not about you. Any person that is out there in the world, whether or not you, it's a coworker, a family member, 
somebody that, uh, you know, you have interactions with on a day-to-day basis, if they happen to be particularly dense towards you mm-hmm. or give you a hard time, or maybe just their energy doesn't feel good, nine out of 10 times, it's not anything to do with you. Right. Right. So that's one thing that's really, really important. So how do we get to that perspective? How do we get to that perspective of, of not thinking that it's about us? Well, we have to change the way that we see the environment, the world, mm-hmm. because when you uh, take something personally, you're creating a hard division between you and the outside world. You're creating a hard division between you and another person. In a lot of ways, you're separating yourself from the whole, right? Yeah. Like the, 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 the dangerous thing about thinking that you're right is that you, in a lot of ways, feel entitled to tell, to tell other people that they're wrong. But everybody right. has their own form of what right is. So it's never good to take a position to say that you're right and it's also never, or, or it's never good to take a the position to assume that you're the good person and also to assume that you're the bad person. You never want to do both things because that automatically creates division in your field. Right. So the best thing that you can do is just be, is exercise your awareness and realize that everybody's on their own special journey. Everybody is going through levels of pain and trauma that you couldn't even imagine. Yeah. You know, and that's hard to see in a moment because we're too busy thinking about how we're being affected. But how we change our perspective to the outside world is seeing that person that is giving you a hard time and really thinking about what the human journey entails for lots of people, which is we're not the only people going through some shit. Yeah. You know, we're not the only people that have experienced this suffering or traumatic experiences. And more often than not, if there's somebody in your field that's giving you a hard time, they could possibly be hurting worse than you. Oh, yeah. Oh, for sure. Right? I mean, anytime somebody is giving you that much of a hard time, it's it's coming from a place of insecurity and weakness and mm-hmm. judgment of their own flaws, you know? Yeah, So it's, true. it's, it's usually not, not about you at all. <laughs> yeah, and, 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 then the, and, and in the same way, when you feel that, in, when you feel that, uh, that response, that reactivity to take something personally, that also reflects on your own sense of insecurity mm-hmm. and your own flaws, and Absolutely. it becomes the same thing just in the, in the other direction. Yeah, yeah. You know? It, where yeah. you feel like you're being spotlighted. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And so there, there's two things that really need to happen here, which is one, if you develop, you, you, it, it, it's easy to just say, think about the other person. Think about what they're going through. I wouldn't say that that's the best place to start, although you can. The best mm-hmm. place to start is to work on cultivating a sense of self mm-hmm. and learning to love yourself and understanding what your own value means. Because if you learn to love yourself and you develop practices that reinforce the love that you have for yourself, not in a narcissistic way, but just in a way where you could develop a really strong foundation for yourself that when somebody comes along and tries to mizzy up your feathers, you won't be moved by it. But at the right. same time, because you know what it means to love yourself, that automatically externalizes itself as you automatically know how to love other people as well. And that love manifests as, I'm not going to be reactive. I'm going to be compassionate towards you because I understand what you're going through. You know, or and also as a sense of confidence, right? And confidence oh. in who you are and really having good self-actualization and knowing who you are. So if someone attacks you and maybe says something that isn't true, having the confidence to say, you know, I, I, I don't know what you're going through or why you're acting like this, but this is, you know, and speaking your truth and standing up for yourself. 
So yeah. there's something to be said about that as well. And there's yeah. a way to do that in a tactful way, not just like, fuck you, I'm not like that. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And you definitely I mean, don't want to, you definitely don't want to go from that position of, of uh, right or wrong either. I think right. um, working from awareness means acceptance, mm-hmm. you know, like practicing acceptance that everybody is different and everybody is on their, their sort of own journey. You know, right. and, and that can only come to pass when you've developed a sense of self-acceptance for yourself, if you know yeah. who you are inside, right? you know, exactly. And the only way that you can really get to that point is to stop seeking approval from others, you know, and, you, and, and this is a really, really big deal, Jen, because uh, a lot of what we're, we're talking about is, is turning away from uh, the sort of um, uh, the conditioning of our modern society, which mm-hmm. is a lot of it speaks to, uh, large amounts of seeking validation mm-hmm. in order to feel self-love. Right. And that's a hard conditioning to break. Yeah, it is. You know, it's a, it's, it's a hard thing. It's a hard thing to break because we spend a lot of our lives seeking approval from others. And this is something that it can even trickle down from your childhood. If you have like an emotionally unavailable parent that you weren't able to get validation from, Yeah. if they don't give validation to you, more often than not, and they talk about this in a cognitive behavioral therapy, and like you're going to go out into the world trying to seek it from other people, mm-hmm. and even from partners that are emotionally unavailable. Oh, for sure. That's the that's the uh, daddy issues. Any yeah. any girl that has daddy issues is well, you know them. Yeah. Probably dated a few. Yeah, yeah. So it's really about um, cultivating that self love and not um, looking outwards for your happiness. Mm-hmm. You know, and you need to really just stop thinking about what other people think. And, and this is, it reminds me of this quote by Deepak Chopra where he says that, how can you let anybody hurt your feelings when your feelings belong to you? Yeah, you know, that's a great quote. Like it, your feelings are so close to you, mainly because you're, you're working in collaboration with your ego every single day, 24 hours a day. That is the one force that you absolutely need to collaborate with on a day-to-day basis. So in spirituality, sometimes you hear this form of spiritual bypassing, which is ego death. I have no ego. Ego's dead. No, it's not. No, it's not. Okay. And if, if you try and, and uh, moder- uh, work through life without an ego, um, it's not going to help you. The ego is the reason why you uh, have the ability to, to operate in our sort of three-dimensional reality. So it, it, is, a, it is a shyster in a lot of ways, it is a little rascal, but you have to learn how to collaborate with it so that it isn't um, running you, you know what I mean? And so the one thing that I think is interesting is that like our, our emotions are so intimately tied to us. And that speaks to us having full full capacity to control how other people affect our own emotions. Mm-hmm. But when somebody comes along and, and says something to you like, oh, you're an asshole, you're a piece of shit, and that has the ability to stay in somebody's consciousness for a long time. There are people that I know that yes. would never forget that. Yeah. And they absolutely. would never forgive. And you think of how how much uh, damage that does to somebody's, you know, inward sense of well-being. But the mm-hmm. interesting thing is people's minds change every single day. Yeah. Every single day. So if somebody says one thing one day, they can be a completely different person the other so it just it just shows you that you should never take anything personally because that one person that happens to give you shit on one day may not give you shit on another and i think that's the reason why you should practice compassion Agreed. because you know it, it people get angry sometimes yeah you know? you know and we are conditioned since birth just like we were talking about in the beginning of seeking approval and um 
and thinking that you have to be accepted and belong to some type of group and always seeking that approval from other people. So just by kind of taking a step back and saying like, you know, maybe I shouldn't take, um, stop, maybe I should stop worrying about what other people think about me, um, Mm -hmm. for that reason. Right. Because all Mm -hmm. you're doing is looking for approval of that person that you're talking to. And yeah. it's like, this is just brainwashing that has been happening since my birth. <laughs> you know, yeah. I don't need and this person to, you're, you're not, you're not going to be liked by everyone. Even if you're a really likable person, there's going to be someone that doesn't like you. And that's just, that's just part of life. Right. Yeah. And I think uh, getting to that point is just understanding um, that collectively we all go through very similar types of experiences. Yeah. You know, I now I had gone through this discovery training um, a while back, which is like this transformational training that was almost like landmark in some ways. Mm-hmm. And um, a lot of what they taught, which is, you know, every human being goes through an archetypal journey, which is that, you know, we're, we're born, we grow up, we're part of the same society, the, the part of the same set of rules. Uh, we ascribe to at least one level of, of fundamental or conventional spirituality. So in a lot of ways, we're very similar. We're very similar because it isn't us interpersonally as people. It's more of the uh, the culture that we're a part of almost designed us to be this way, mm-hmm. right? So you almost can't take it out on people. You have to take it out on the, the, the culture and these sort of governments that uh, moderate how it is that you know they want us to think. So that creates a lot of, uh, I think, peace and comfort because now you and that person can relate relate in the sense that you both know what it's like because you've gone through it before. So what they taught me in that training is that if you're afraid of what other people think, those same people are probably afraid of the exact same thing. Yeah. Right. Like in, 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 in there's a lot of comfort in that, you know, mm-hmm. there's a lot of comfort in, in knowing that a lot of people are afraid of the same things. And what is the basis of that is love. Everybody wants to be loved. Everybody, Everybody wants, wants to be, to be loved. accepted. Yeah. Everybody wants to be liked. And so what we do in order to obtain that expresses itself in a multitude of different ways, but the, the energy and the behavior of that is, is fundamentally the same. And um, we have, uh, essentially, it makes me think of just the, the versions of the self that we have. And we talked about ego, which is we have two versions of the self. We have the part that, how we want others to see us, and then we have the part of who we are in real life. It's like those memes that went circulating through the internet where it's like how my mom sees me, how my friends see me, how my coworkers see me, and yeah. then me in real life. Yeah. And more often than not, when you look at those memes, who you are in real life is absolutely nothing like the last four blocks yeah. of images. It's so you know? true. And they have yeah. that for every profession and meme for every profession, and it's hilarious. Yeah. 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 But the, 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 why, why is it that we feel a need to create two sense of two, two versions of ourself? Well, there's the shadow self. The only reason why the ego created a shadow is because of this fear we have of being authentic and real. This yeah. uh, fear we have of being seen, you know, this fear we have of almost in some ways, even being intimate. Like if you're a guy and you grew up a, a part of our culture, which most, most guys have, it's hard to not fall into toxic masculinity you know, I went through my entire life being told that, you know, or made to feel as though men shouldn't have emotions right? or men shouldn't have feelings that we had to just go out there and, and make the money and support, you know, the woman. And, um, that's very toxic. 
And so what, what that, what that created for me is I obviously didn't fall in line with that. So I had to create a shadow self, a a Mm -hmm. self that consisted of shame for not being like that and guilt for not being a part of that machine. And so throughout our lives, all people do this, they create uh, a shadow self, which is basically this self that exists that isn't being acknowledged, is not being paid attention to. And we don't even realize how that shadow moves through every part of our being in the sense that it contributes to a lot of chaos. So, you know, I think about this as a reflection on both of us as well on a very small level, right? So we have full-time jobs that are professional and then we do this podcast, you know, in our spare time um, that really fulfills our soul, right? Um, and the people that I work with have no idea. They have no idea about this podcast or, or what I do in my spare time. I just don't share my personal life with them. So, right. you know, when I'm at work, I have my work hat on. And um, when I'm not at work, I take that hat off, you know? Yeah. And it, yeah. It's, it's interesting how, you know, even though you can have knowledge on all of these topics, how they still manifest in your day-to-day life. Yeah, and I think that's where, where a lot of people, especially millennials, for example, um, I respect them in a lot of ways because they see the division mm-hmm. between who they want to be and who they have to be in real life. Yeah. And so you see a lot of people like influencers on Instagram where they're like, they quit their job because they wanted to just be fully integrated with their authentic selves. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of people that are part of that sort of old paradigm of thinking that give those people a lot of shit. You know, it's not yeah. uncommon to hear stories of, you know, like the people that we interview where they're like, yeah, my family didn't accept it. Like they mm-hmm. gave me crap about it because they didn't fall into this narrative that people had yeah. of just falling in line with, um, what they should be doing so it takes a lot of uh courage bravery yeah and bravery to be fully integrated which is you know for us eventually it'd be nice to be able to just do this full time and be able to just share whatever story that we happen to want to share because i know exactly what you're talking about subscribe so we can (laughs) yeah yeah exactly but at the same time time, but at the same time we're we're also practical though because there are a lot of people that can't do that and there are a lot of people that are completely comfortable was separating their professional life from their their personal life. And you know, that's and, that's so true. I'm very comfortable with it. I don't have a problem with it at all. I don't even think about it. Yeah, <laughs> like, because I'm a different person nine to five, you know, yeah, I, with so a different that, set of skills and, you know, uh, different information and different communication skills. I mean, it's like night and day, you wouldn't even recognize me. Exactly. So it, and for me as a Libra, like I'm all about balance. Nearly as much. Yeah. <laughs> it was so nearly as much. Yeah, I, I save it for the the times where I really really need it. Yeah, you know. But it, for, for like for me as a Libra, it's about balance. Like I'm fully aware of where I am in yeah. in the world on Earth. Mm-hmm. Like I'm a part of a, a culture that's very different. And as a healer, I think it's the best place to be. There are some people that when they when they get into the New Age um, community or spirituality, they want to remove all of that sort of three D stuff from their field. Yeah, they want to go and maybe start a commune in Northern California. They can do all those things. It's totally fine. Um, and if you can do that, that's absolutely wonderful. But as a healer, I feel obligated to exist in these densely populated communities to help people that really need it mm-hmm. or people that want to understand these type of um, wisdom teachings in the way that I am. And, and you could do that by teaching in yoga classes, but the best way is to go out into the world where people are going through real world shit mm-hmm. and to, to, to participate in what they're participating in and 
have, you know, it, it almost, almost, almost feels like a silent revolution, right. you know, because I don't necessarily look like somebody that would fall into that category, but mm -hmm. this is an emotional and spiritual sort of endeavor that we're on. Right. We're not trying to create people that look spiritual. We're trying to um, <laughs> help people awaken to that sort of spirituality inside. And that can, that can happen in a multitude of different ways. It can happen by just being loving. It can happen by just being a good person, by helping somebody with their groceries. Like that is the pure, one of the purest forms of spirituality, which is just doing loving things for other people, you know? So for everybody out there that thinks like, okay, if you want to join this sort of new age movement, you don't have to have dreadlocks. Right. You don't have to have, um, you know, this, this large community of healers that you're a part of. The only thing that you have to be open to and the only thing that you have to be have enough courage to to accept is this feeling of allowing love into your life mm -hmm. and allowing that love to move through you to where you can share that love with other people. That's all it is. Yeah. We, we talked a little bit about this with um, the gym goddess when she was on because she's very beautiful. And people would uh, make comments on her YouTube videos that she doesn't look like a psychic. And it's like, well, what does a fucking psychic look like? <laughs> you know, like yeah. you, you just have that image in your mind that, you know, this woman's going to be walking around with a crystal ball and, you know, a turban on and the bohemian you know, clothes and bohemian clothes and a robe. I mean, but yeah, it, like, a, all, like a cup of cacao in her hand. <laughs> right. Right. And I love all those things, Jen. Like I love that I aesthetic do, yeah. and that is totally cool. But you know, it, it just I try not so to be foreign on me. Like that's the thing. I try that. <laughs> I try like cute little outfits like that. And it looks, uh, I look like a poser. Like I look at a place because that's not who it's who I am on the inside, but that's not who I am on the outside. You know, right. I just have a different aesthetic. Yeah. And that's what, then that's what I want to change the narrative of because um, a lot of people, and, and it's, it's a really innocent thing because everybody goes through it in the beginning on their path. I even mm -hmm. went through it. It's like you get in and you're like, well, I want to be a part of the spiritual community. So, you almost feel like you have to fall in line with that. You know, yeah. you got to get some harem pants. You got to buy a yoga mat. <laughs> you got to go to at least two or three yoga classes. You got to, um, you know, join in on these sort of ma um, uh, men's groups and do that whole thing. And those are all good things. Absolutely. Yeah. But it, there, there's a certain point in the beginning where it, 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 you create division, which is these are spiritual people and these aren't. Yeah. These people in this yoga class are spiritual people, but the people on the street aren't. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's, that, that's not it because everything is spiritual, literally right. everything, everything. The only thing that isn't spiritual is your perception that kind of keeps you from realizing it. You know, exactly. if you're alive and you're a part of the society, I mean, there isn't anything that isn't spiritual. What is spiritual is being authentically who you are and real to who you are mm -hmm. and being loving. Those are the, the two main moderating forces, just like Marianne Williamson says, there's only two there's only actually really one moderating force. The one, the other one, which people normally consider too, is just an illusion, you know? So all fear is, is the absence of love. So if love is the only moderating force in life, that is the most spiritual thing that exists. So mm -hmm. if you know how to love and you're actively working on creating uh, a more loving uh, environment for yourself, practicing self-love, by definition, you are being spiritual. So you don't have to look. Anybody that's listening, you don't have to look the part. You can get involved in that, but if you want to know that you're spiritual, just work on how you love. Work on how you understand love because the second you understand that, you understand the whole fucking universe. That's right. You know? So yeah. And the this whole in terms of this whole um taking things personally, 
you know, that the ego is looking for validation because ego is created by others, mm -hmm. right? Absolutely. And what is created by other people is not essentially who you are. So the most authentic part of you is the part that you know better than anybody else. Mm -hmm. And um, everybody has a little spark of love inside of them that if they cultivate that and they work on that, then they can bring that out. Humans Absolutely. at the very core are good. Yeah. So if anybody out there has ever told you that you aren't or told you that you're not enough or made you feel as though you're inferior, look at the deeper underpinning in that and realize that those people, somebody probably told them that one day mm -hmm. and they believed it. And they believed it so much that they started seeing that in everybody else around them. Mm -hmm. And so what you're really experiencing is somebody else's fear, is somebody else's pain and somebody else's suffering, not yours. So the best right. thing is to not identify with somebody else's suffering. Absolutely. And and don't give your power away. You know, anytime you get upset by something that someone says or does, you are letting them control your emotions. So protect your power and realize just take a couple deep breaths and just be like, eh, who gives a fuck what they think, right? Yeah, I know who, who gives I a am. fuck what they think? I'm, exactly. I'm secure in who I am. I know, I know that, you know, I'm a good person and the things I do come from a place of love. So Right. Because if your foundation is strong, then nobody can take that from you. That's right. You know, like nobody, people, people can take many things. But if your foundation and your, your, your self-love is strong, then people can't take that from you. Mm -hmm. So a few bullet points, which is, you know, one, no one is perfect. Everyone has a shadow. And if you don't believe me, then maybe you'll believe Carl Jung because that's the motherfucker who said it. <laughs> right? So no one is perfect. Everyone has a shadow. Yeah. I'm so, a Jungian. I like, I like his teachings. Yeah, Jung's, Jung's awesome. And then um, let's see what else we have here. Everything. Uh, I just wanted okay. to say Jungian. You like Jung, that, huh? Jungian? Jungian. Yeah. And then uh, the humans, all, they all share the same insecurities. Mm -hmm. As long as ego is involved in creating them. So when we see other people, there's comfort in that. It's comfort in knowing that like we're all afraid of the same things. And we're all trying to get to the same place. So if there's somebody that's being mean to you, help them out. Help them out by not taking offense to it. Allow them to be the, who they are. Because if you're being good to them, despite the fact that they're treating you like shit, um, they'll have time to reflect on that. You may not see it right away, but eventually along their journey, they'll get to a place where they have to really face their own shadow. And you will have contributed to it in a good way if you cease to react. You know, you know this is an interesting technique and it works. If someone says something to you that's rude or out of place or kind of out of left field and you don't say anything, you just look at them, like make eye mm -hmm. contact, look at them and don't say a word, they'll start talking um, because people that are coming from that place of like anger and anxiety and, and insecurity will immediately start talking and usually talk themselves back out of it, <laughs> which is really interesting. So try it. It works. Or they'll tell on themselves. Yeah. 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 Like, yeah situations oh, yeah. like that. Right, right. It was like, yeah, you stole my parking spot, you know, and you just stop mm -hmm. and you look at them and they're like, well, you know, I mean, you were waiting there too. I did see your blinker on. Uh, uh, never mind. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and this isn't to say that if somebody says something to you that you should not stick up for yourself or you shouldn't right. tell them what you think. I mean, there are ways to communicate to people effectively yeah yeah and we just did a, an episode on boundaries and they're very very important and i i told this to um uh, one of my friends the other day because he was going through some difficulty at work which is we have to teach people how we want to be treated mm -hmm. because people just don't know that 
you yeah. know, and we can't assume that people will know that. And so mm-hmm. if people are treating you a certain way and you allow it, it's because you haven't reinforced those boundaries and you haven't helped show them how you want to be treated. Now, that doesn't mean that you have to, you know, take out your brass knuckles and realign somebody's fucking chakras. Yeah. It doesn't mean that. It just it means mean that, that there are nonviolent forms of communication. Um, there's nonviolent forms of communicating that to somebody else. Mm-hmm. Let somebody know like, hey, you know, um, I, I hear what you're saying. I understand what you're saying. But I'd appreciate it if you didn't speak to me that way. Just there's there's the loving ways to communicate that. Yeah. You know, but if, uh, you know, you're in a situation that where it's obviously just very chaotic and very, very intense, it might be better to just practice radical acceptance in that moment and realize that it's not about you. Yeah. You know, I actually had a situation where, and I'm, I'm very good at work with keeping my cool, you know, and very good at taking a moment and exercising moments of silence. I'm very good at that. But um, this particular day, um, it was 3 p.m. and I was busy all day long, so I didn't get to eat lunch. And I happened to skip breakfast because I woke up a little too late and, you know, had early calls, so uh, I didn't eat essentially all day. And for you, Eric, that's probably not a problem because you're an intermittent faster and you're used to it. But oh, yeah. I'm I'm a hungry hippo and I'm not used to that. So, <laughs> <laughs> so 3 p.m. rolled around and I was a major bitch. I mean, I had my oh, bitch yeah? face on big Jen. time. Jen. I know. I Jen. know. I was hangry. I was How just like, so uh, one of my reps called and uh, it was something that we had already discussed and she was asking me the exact same things again. And I don't know why, but it pissed me off so bad. And I was oh. like, well. Did um, it piss you off something awful? Something awful. Yeah. yeah. So I was like, well, per our last conversation, if you go back through our emails and, and read them, <laughs> I, I'm i never that way. Like I'm never unprofessional and rude like that at work. And yeah. um, so I hung up the phone and he immediately felt bad. And I was like, I am such an asshole. I was just so rude to this person because I'm hungry. So yeah. I had to call this person back and apologize. And I'm like, I'm so sorry. I've been busy all morning. I haven't had anything to eat. And I'm, I'm a nightmare whenever I don't eat. And, yeah. and thank God this person was very receptive. She was like, no, you're always so nice. I didn't even notice. Yeah. And I was like, are you sure? <laughs> Cause I noticed. Yeah. You know, yeah. but anyway, you got to think, and that's what that awareness does is mm-hmm. you have to think of the long-term implications of what you're going through. If somebody's being mean to you and you know, they, they have a conscience, they're going to feel bad about it. Mm-hmm. And uh, instead of creating an altercation or um, an escalation with them, if you just give it space and allow it to be, chances are, you know, sometimes they'll apologize and realize that mm-hmm. they're being that way. Yeah. You know, it's okay and to, that, to apologize and admit where you're wrong. Like that's, that's okay. And it's actually a wonderful thing, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And, and also at the same time, it's like, does it, it, human beings are also going to get pissed off sometimes? Yeah. You know, everybody gets angry. Everybody. There is a, yeah. and it's not bad when you do get angry and you shouldn't feel shame if you do. Right. But the one thing that you should um, exercise in those moments is pay really close attention so that it doesn't continuously keep happening. Cause that's the problem. Yeah. Problem is when you have anger that's unchecked, mm-hmm. but if you're human, you're going to go through unfortunate situations that are going to that are going to test the boundaries of what you're able to to hold or handle. Mm-hmm. And so if you find yourself angry, you know, don't feel shame in that. And that's the part about being fully integrated is is being fully authentically you and sometimes that means getting angry. 
Yeah. Sometimes that means getting pissed off. And it's okay. It's okay to get angry and to get pissed off. Just be very um, selective in the words that you choose because yeah. there's some things that you can't unsay, you know, and you just can't unring that bell. Yeah. And that's, that's true. Yeah, that's good. That, that can be bad because what happens is that when the other person hears something that they would consider a low blow or below the belt or what have you, it does chip away at the integrity of your relationship. And sometimes you can say something so horrible that it permanently changes that relationship with that person forever. So just be mindful of the things that you're saying and it's okay to be angry and to express yourself, but maybe like refrain from name calling and um, profanity and things like that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Because we never know where people are in their journeys. You know, Mm -hmm. like uh, if if we do all the work and we do all the sort of spiritual work in order to like really, really fully embody a a solid sense of self, but then we find ourselves getting angry one day at somebody, like you never know what they're going through. I mean, there are people out there that will like take that comment and and store it in their database, in their little, in their egoic database. And that thought and that memory will just wreak havoc on the inside of their body for years sometimes mm-hmm. you know oh, yeah. so just be, be be compassionate you don't want to make your suffering somebody else's suffering absolutely you know so the best thing to do when you're in that situation somebody says something you don't like and that reactivity comes and you'll feel it you'll feel what it feels like because you can feel it in your chest you can feel it you start to tense up you start to you start to feel that flight or fight pay attention to that and maybe ask yourself a really simple question. This is very similar to what Sri Ramana Maharshi does with the inquiry, which is ask yourself, who, it is that's, who is it that's angry? Is it you or is it your ego? Right. Because if it were really you, you'd be operating from this sort of baseline level of love. So if it's not operating from love, then obviously it's operating from ego. So if you ask yourself, who is it that is reacting? And pay attention. And... You could also ask yourself this other question, which is a, a question from Byron Katie, which is, you know, who would you be without your story? You right. know, who would you be without these, you know, uh, these negative emotions or thoughts that you carry along with you? And if you can subtract that, really pay attention to what's left. Because whether or not you're thinking about who you are really makes no difference to the fact that you exist. Mm-hmm. So if you're sitting in a chair and you're not thinking and you're in meditation, what is it that's there sitting, not thinking? Because a lot of people think that they don't exist unless they're thinking about who they are. But when your mind's not thinking, and yet you still exist, what is that? And that is one thing to really, really um, consider and really meditate on. Because that peace that you feel in the moment of meditation is likely the, the truest, most authentic part of you that isn't speaking, that isn't thinking about who they are, that's just being. And that is who you are in the moment, you know? Yeah, and I'm glad you brought up meditation Because anytime you are having a hard time in life, if you're feeling extra stressed, stop, take a minute and do a little meditation. I used to do this all the time whenever I was in sales and I would have a terrible sales call or, you know, somebody would treat me like shit or something would happen and I would go out to my car and before I went to the next account, I would sit there in the car and meditate for 10 or 15 minutes. So just to kind of get that reset, you know? And yeah. uh, if you're feeling, if you're feeling overwhelmed, if you're feeling all of these negative emotions and you know, when you're treating people poorly, I mean, you know, so if you feel like that's the road you're going on, do a little bit, do a couple meditations and, you know, reset yourself. 
Yeah, and if you create that solid sense of self, you automatically place yourself into the realm of being a healer because when you go out into the outside world, all you're going to see are people going on separate journeys, like on their own special unique journey. Mm -hmm. And you'll see somebody's pain and you'll know that it's theirs without over-identifying with it. And you'll, 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 you'll express compassion and love for them. And you can even take yourself out of that situation and say calming, affirming words to take them out of the neuroses that they happen to be experiencing. So in every situation, in every dense situation, you could dissolve it by just being loving, not taking it personally. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Be like Sancho. During, yeah. During that, that little chat, um, Sancho came in. And look, he's right. uh, he's doing well, alive and well, happy, panting, just yeah, living the dream. He came happy by and panting. licked my leg during your, <laughs> while you were talking. So He I looks good, Jim. So you guys could see him. He like, looks oh, really looks good. good. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. He's, he's trucking along. Sancho definitely doesn't take things personally, that's for sure. He doesn't. Look at his face. Look at this him. Is, he ain't worried about anything. He's like the anything. honey badger. He doesn't give a fuck. He runs backwards. Yeah. He's like, what are you doing <laughs> going around taking things personally? <laughs> and you can just go around just making other people happy. Yeah, if you that's got right. a pet, that's another, that's another, I mean, pets do an exceptional job of taking us out of our minds. Yeah. Whenever I'm having sure. a, feeling a certain type of way and I go up to my cat and I'm like, hey cat. And she gives me this look like, what are we doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? Snap out Relax. of it. You don't Fine. need to go through this. Yeah. Just hang out don't with me. Don't worry about what they think. Yeah. yeah. Just pet me. BT, and in BTW, feed me. Feed me. <laughs> feed me. Yeah, thank you guys. Yeah, a treat. Thank you guys for tuning in to Find Nobody's Podcast. Thank you for joining uh, along on this journey. If you guys uh, like this podcast, definitely help us out by leaving a review, whether or not it's on uh, Apple Podcast or Spotify. Definitely helps us out. And uh, if you're on YouTube, we also have our videos on there. Definitely like and subscribe. Do all the things. Uh, we really, really appreciate your support. If you want to reach out to us directly, just go to our website or you can uh, send us an email at divinenobodiespodcast.gmail.com and uh, we'll keep we'll keep doing the thing. We have some guests coming up and we'll announce them soon. Uh, that's it, right? That's it. All right. Namaste, friends. Namaste.